What's up, y'all? Welcome into the Dual Threat. I am your host, Philip Jordan, from Last World College Football, 96.9 The Legend in Dothan, Alabama. Thank you for checking out the show and making it a part of your day. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. You can always email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Now, let's get into today's conversation. All right, joining me on the podcast today, we are talking NBA Finals, and joining me is Brad Botkin. He is NBA writer for CBS Sports, and uh, Brad, I do appreciate you taking out the time and uh, coming on the show today. Yeah, appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to our conversation. Uh, is it t- told NBA Finals, uh, this is one of my favorite events of the year. And uh, just uh, you know, a curiosity for you, uh, how long have you been uh, covering the NBA? Well, I've been on the writing side about four years now. I was an editor at CBS for eight years, so um, in some way involved in, in NBA coverage for over a decade. Yeah, it's I, and it's actually I'm actually glad just as a pure fan of and I'm not the biggest baseball guy in the world. I'll be honest here that the NBA has actually went longer into the summer because I'm a football and a basketball guy. So, you know, the, the make it the sportless summer for me is awesome. So I don't know how, how you been feeling about the, the extended, you know, the NBA finals being here in July. Yeah. You got less downtime, you know, it hasn't, um, it hasn't been terrible for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of been the same. I mean, we're really a month behind, you know, it's, it's not really that big of a deal to me. I mean, for the players who had such a quick turnaround, um, you know, that's a different story. But in terms of my schedule and, and covering the stuff, um, you know, my summer's busy anyway. You know, free agency and the draft and all that stuff usually starts after the finals. So, um, you know, I think that it's just, you know, I usually get one extra month during the summer where, you know, that's kind of my downtime and, I guess sort of like the players, I mean, I had a, a shorter turnaround, but it's hard to complain about sitting around watching basketball and writing stories. So I, I'm doing good with it. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's, that's the thing. It's, uh, you know, like it's great. And then, we can, hey, we can just jump to the Olympics, the free agency, so the basketball won't stop uh, with yeah, the finals. Yeah. And then the draft, too. The draft, too, there's plenty to run through the summer when it comes to basketball as well. And, you know, talking about the finals, just what was, what was your big takeaway on Game three on Sunday night. I mean, the first two games there in Phoenix, it looked like Milwaukee just had no answers for what Phoenix was doing offensively. Sunday night, Milwaukee comes out a lot of intensity, a lot of, you know, obviously what you expect a team that's down 2 0. But what, what stood out most to you in their victory, their 120 to 100 victory over Phoenix? Yeah, you know, I really like what Jeff Van Gundy said on the, on the broadcast, which is that we always focus on schematic adjustments because people like you and I, it's, those are easier things to analyze. They're more interesting things, but a lot of this stuff comes down to individual adjustments, uh, aggression. It comes down to the, the want. I mean, these sort of like cliche things of just how hard you play, how quick you rotate, how quick, how, how hard you get out to shooters, multiple efforts, on the defensive end, taking the right shots. You know, we we get on Mike Budenholzer because they don't create the perfect shot all the time. You know, they, they we we talk about these adjustments that he supposedly doesn't make. But sometimes, you know, Drew Holiday takes too many early clock three pointers. I mean, these are just basketball adjustments that players make. And I thought Milwaukee did a great job of that in Game Three. I thought Giannis is no every three he takes is a mistake. I don't want to hear anything about he's keeping the defense honest. It is a gift 
He is he is wrapping it up for the defense every single time he takes a three. Uh, and he only took two last night. He only took one jumper really outside the paint. Um, he is foregoing the temptation when he gets the ball at the top of the key to just turn into that crash dummy offense where he puts his head down and runs right into a wall, which is, and I've written this, as ridiculous as it sounds, it makes him easy to guard. If a guy that size running at that speed can be easy to guard, he is. He's predictable. And then the Bucks, by extension, become predictable. And he he passed on those opportunities last night and instead ran himself into a dribble handoff, some sort of screen action, uh, or he faked the dribble handoff and he got himself a matchup that he liked and he backed it down into the post and then he went quickly and, and got to his right hand in the middle of the lane before the double came. I mean, these are quick actions before that really, really good Phoenix defense can get set and focus in on him and, and frankly, kind of easily defend a, a predictable player. So I thought it was a really good adjustment offensively by Giannis. Drew Holiday um, had a good shooting game. He's been up and down, mostly down in the playoffs. So, you know, I hate to say make or miss league. Usually when you're missing shots, you're taking the wrong shots. But on some level, you know, the Bucks are going to go as Drew and Chris make or miss shots uh and he made shots last night i think him and middleton were i want to i forget the percentage but they shot well combined i think holiday was five for ten they were like eight for 17 i think combined from three that's that's good you know Giannis needs that shooting around him to give him that space and that freedom to do what he did and i thought he did the right thing with his space and then defensively uh i wrote after the first game that uh that there wasn't a lot that 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 the Bucks seem to be able to do with Chris Paul at the point of attack. Uh, they tried everything in the first game, you know, so all these talk about Bud not making adjustments. They, they tried everything. They blitzed him at the end. They doubled him. They played drop coverage. Uh, they switched and let him play one-on-one against bigs. And he cooked everything. Uh, and I wrote, if he keeps doing that, if he keeps making those shots, because he, he's seemingly going to get the shots that he wants. Uh, the Bucks could be in trouble, but I, I thought one thing they did really well last night is they, they really extended their coverage out higher. If, if you look uh, back at a lot of their defensive possessions, they've got three, four guys outside the three-point line when the ball crosses half court. They are pushed up really high, uh, and they are getting to that point of attack before it gets started. Because once Chris Paul gets into that pick and roll where he's got even a sliver of space coming off that screen, he's getting into that snake action, into his pull-up for the mid-range, He's finding guys on the roll, uh, and and it really kind of neutralized uh, the DeAndre Ayton roll aspect, and it didn't let Paul get going on that mid-range jumper where he's got you at his mercy. You come at him, he finds someone. You don't come at him, he pulls up. So I thought they extended their coverage high, and they were a lot more aggressive on the ball. Uh, And Drew Holiday has really been phenomenal navigating screens for all the talk about his shooting struggles. He has been excellent as as soon as he started picking up Chris Paul, they had Tucker on him in game one, thought that was a mistake. They've moved more to Drew Holiday, and he navigates ball screens as, as well as anyone. He's getting over the top of them, not letting them get downhill. So so I thought those two things, uh, they, they picked up higher defensively, and I thought they took more of the right shots offensively. Yeah, you know, and you're talking about Giannis, and early on what was, you know, impressed me, he, he probably could have won this game and, you know, so I'm just gonna continue what I did in game two. I can I can get mine. You know, I can just go start the game and just start you know, get my points. But I a guy like you know, whenever you see your superstar making sure he's getting the teammates involved first, you know, and like he did early on with there were some key passes there 
you know, to you know, get Milwaukee going early, early, and then his game came, and then and I say after that first quarter, twenty twenty five, I thought DeAndre Ayton was going to go for forty the way yeah. it was going. But well, his, uh, foul I mean, trouble, his foul trouble was a, was a, another big part of this game. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah, because I was going. That's one thing I was going to talk to you about is the depth with Phoenix now up front, and it, well, he has to come out of the game for an extended period of time, and they have to go small. It's like Milwaukee may have figured some stuff out on game three, like, hey, we can play, I use the word, bully ball, you know, get really physical with them and play our game, and they can take advantage of that, and they did on right. game three. Well, that's where, I, you know, Giannis came out of the game really early last night, and like, we were all wondering, like, why did he ask out? I don't know what that was all about. Um but, you know, I think in some sense they know that Sarich is out and they're going to they're, they're get Kaminsky minutes. And, and I think they're – I don't have the exact on-off numbers in front of me, but they're murdering they're murdering the Suns with Giannis on the floor and Aiden off. And they're, they're winning it even with Giannis and Aiden on. As long as Giannis is on the floor, they're winning this series. Um, but against Kaminsky, it's, it's a trash fire. Uh, and so I think they're making sure Giannis is lining up with minutes against Kaminsky. However, Bud handles that rotation. I don't know if that factored into him coming out early in the first quarter last night, but that's a big problem for Phoenix. The depth uh, I thought coming in was, was a, a, a big advantage for Phoenix, and I still think that it is. Uh, I think they have fewer weaknesses, fewer holes that can be exposed. I think they have more guys that can make shots. Um, but if Giannis is so far superior to everyone else on the floor, it neutralizes a lot of that uh, some of their parts offense that, that Phoenix has. I mean, they, they they really don't have a whole, you know, like I said, they, they don't have a ton of weaknesses. But if the top-end guy is 30 points better than the second guy, you know, that, that covers a lot of ground. You know, for me, you know, whenever I watch the NBA Finals, I always like to think about, okay, when you're at home, the role players play much better. And we saw that in game two with the Suns, and then games one and two of the Suns, and then you see game three. The Milwaukee role players played much better. They gave, you know, like you mentioned, Giannis, you know, that helped. But on the road, a lot of times the superstars have to, you know, sometimes have to carry the load. And with Devin Booker struggling like he did, do you think, was, was that just like a one-game aberration, or was Milwaukee doing stuff to kind of take him off the shot? Because some people say, well, there were good looks. Yeah, but there was, like you said, there were pressure. There were contested shots as well. Yeah, they uh, they are, like I said, they are extending their defense, and Devin Booker is a guy that relies primarily on getting into that one-two dribble pull-up jump shot. So that is, that's going to impact any shooter. Having said that, uh, it, you know, quietly, Devin Booker has not been shooting well. Uh, we've fallen, in, and I think Booker's a phenomenal player. He's a rising star in the league, but there's been an elevation – of him in this in this these playoffs so far, he's had a a couple of really big games and really big moments. Closeout out game uh, against the Lakers. He's he's had big time, big stage moments. But by and large, if you look back at his his shooting, I think don't quote me on this, but I think over the past eight games, I want to say seven times he's been under forty percent. Uh, I think he's been under thirty percent two or three times. I mean, he's really been a volume shooter here for a while so this was not really a one-game thing he's not shooting well and it's a testament to how balanced the phoenix offense is which is what i was just saying they have cam johnson and mikhail bridges and jay crowder and chris paul and deandre ayton they can you know campaign they can get buckets from a variety of places and that's covering up for a guy that is having a bad shooting night and right now if Giannis goes out and does what what booker does and lays a seven for 25 on the floor for 18 points they're going to lose 
and, and so that's the difference is that Phoenix, it has that balance to lean on. Um, unless Middleton and Holiday really, really start showing up to the party. But, the, but there's layers here to this conversation that, that extend beyond this, this particular series. Like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were phenomenal in games five and six, closing out Atlanta. Giannis did play in those games. Now, I'm not trying to start a Giannis controversy here, but he doesn't necessarily make offense better for the people around him. I think it's still the separator between him and the top, top-tier players in the league. Uh, he's a predictable offensive player. He ha- he realistically has to get his by brute force or transition. Uh, he's not a spacer. So he doesn't really make the game easier on Middleton or Drew. Those guys, when they're on the floor with Giannis, they have to make contested shots. Giannis isn't always, you know, un- unless he gets into that bully ball where he runs into a wall and four guys converge on him in the paint and then he kicks out, that sounds good. It sounds like you're, draw- you're drawing the defense down and they're collapsing and you're kicking to shooters. But it just doesn't happen in the rhythmic way that a LeBron James collapses a defense and kicks to a shooter right in the pocket, right on time, and they get open threes out of it in a, in a reliable fashion. It doesn't always break down like that for the Bucks, uh, and and so I, there is a little bit of a struggle with Giannis's dominance translating to everybody else playing a lot better. Now he still has a hole in his game. He still is somewhat predictable. He has to navigate it. Uh, and so those things, there are some layers to this as to as to kind of what exactly is happening. He's he's Devin Booker has has more things to lean on. Chris Paul makes his teammates better than Giannis makes his. And so kind of what we're seeing right now is is a one man show trying to beat a team, and he's doing his level best. He's got two straight forty point games. The first guy, I think, the only guy since Shaq that's had two consecutive 40 and 10 games in the finals. Only six players in history have had two 40-point games, and they are some of the elite of the elite at Shaq, Rick Berry, Jerry West, Giannis, LeBron, and Michael Jordan, who had four straight 40-point games, which is ridiculous, against the Suns in the 93 finals. Uh, and I think Giannis might have to keep doing that. You know, frankly, I think that's sort of the game plan moving forward. Giannis cannot fall into the trap of taking the wrong shots, and he has got – to go get big 35-point-plus games. Uh, and that's a fine line because, you know, something that you just mentioned a, a few minutes ago, which is uh, Giannis coming out and, and this sort of being a superstar mentality across the board of getting everybody else involved first uh, as opposed to going and getting theirs, it's not quite as simple as Giannis saying, I'm just going to go get mine because he can get over-aggressive very easily. If a Kevin Durant, decides, I'm going to get mine tonight. He can just start looking for jumpers. You know, mm-hmm. Steph Curry, I'm going, to, I'm going to get off early tonight. He can start looking for jumpers. Like, when you really only have one way to the hoop or to a bucket in the half court, and you say, I'm going to get mine from the start tonight, that leads to head down, bull in a china shop, scrambled up, muddy offense. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Giannis can't make that same decision. He has to be, it sounds a little bit, uh, it, it's, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but he actually has to be less aggressive in a sense because once he starts forcing it, that's when it gets muddy because he can't just he can't just relax and shoot a jumper, right? And, and that and that's the part that's a, a defined line for the Bucks is him being aggressive but not head down over aggressive, and and as long as he walks that line, then he's the best player on the floor, and the Bucks have a shot. 
you know, looking ahead to game four, which I kind of, I really am hating it that we have two days between the games, but you know, it's, you know, they're spreading out. Which the players probably look forward to getting a little bit of rest. I know a lot of you know the tax yeah. season and everything. They're looking. These players probably look for two days of rest. But you know, with Phoenix, do you think is it one of the things? Okay, game three happened. You know, we play poorly. We just come back, do what we do, like in games one and two. Or do you see some adjustments they need to make going into game four to combat what we saw from game three? No, I don't. I mean, I think Phoenix has their game as dialed in as, as any team in the playoffs. That's why they are where they are. Uh, you know, I think that what you, again, we talk about schematic adjustments, but I think you're going to see, um, you're going to see Monty Williams try to get Devin Booker going. He rested him last night when they hadn't seemingly hadn't waved the white flag yet, but he was still resting him. Um, Paul was in the game. The other guys were still in the game. But, you know, I think that the emphasis is going to be on getting Devin Booker going early. However they do that, that's – I'm not an NBA coach. Um, but I don't think for the most part – the, the, the Suns are going to be a pick-and-roll team with Chris Paul. Uh, I think that what they need to do, bottom line, forget the schematic stuff, DeAndre Ayton has got to stay on the floor as much as possible. Uh, and Chris Paul has got to be the one that is controlling the, the, the possessions. And that's the battle. You know, Milwaukee had success last night picking up high and, and really being aggressive at the point of attack. Uh, you might see Chris Paul maybe try to get rid of the ball a little bit earlier to Devin Booker as that extension comes out uh, and make some downhill plays. But for the most part, the, the Suns are going to want the ball in the hands of Chris Paul, and he is going to have to make the, the individual adjustments of beating that, that more extended, more aggressive defense. And there are ways, you know, look, if, if playing that high – and picking up that high and pulling everyone away from the basket. I mean, even their drop defenders now are, are starting out outside the three-point line. If that was just a conventional way of playing defense, everyone would do it. There are counters to that. You have no backline defense, really. Once you get past the point of attack, you've got a lot of downhill space. So I would, you know, I would look for Chris Paul to try to get past that point of attack, attack quicker, and get downhill and get eight and some rolls to the rim where that where the backside defense is pulled out so high now, you beat them on the back end. So that's all easier said than done, and that's basketball. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. see. I, the Bucks found some success. They're going to extend high again. Drew Holiday's going to fight over the top of screens, um, and Chris Paul's going to try to attack quick and uh, and beat it. And, and there are some some holes on the backside. And and so bottom line, to me, I think you can expect. A, a big game from Chris Paul, I think you can expect a big game from Giannis. And there will be some schematic adjustments, but I think the game will be won between, you know, the Devin Bookers and, and the Jay Crowders and the Cam Johnsons and the Chris Middletons and the Drew Holidays. That's, that's, I hate to be too simplistic, but um, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday have, have to play well, and, and Devin Booker's got to shoot better. So, I don't think either team is capable of getting the shots that they want. I think, you know, again, I don't like to make or miss cliche, but I think on some level there's some, some truth in that in this series. So, uh, real quick, I'll put you, uh, kind of put you on the spot. Do you think Milwaukee ties it up on, on Wednesday night, or do you think uh, it goes 3-1 back to Phoenix? I think they tie it up. I do. I mean, I really believe in Chris Middleton as a player. He's so frustrating to me because I, he's so good. When, you know, him and Devin Booker are very, very similar players. Very similar players. They are they are mid range assassins. They don't like they don't rely on getting all the way to the rim, and they don't 
relies heavily, heavily, heavily on three-pointers. They come off ball screens. They get downhill and snake into their shots. Uh, and then when they've got it going, they're, they're two of the best shot creators in the league. And I think Chris Middleton is, is an elite shot creator. It's, it's head-scratching that he has some sort of disappearing game. But he's going to have a big game. He, he's, he's, he is too good of a player. He's had really big games in all these series. And I think Chris Middleton has a big game for and look, I picked the Bucks to win the series. I picked them to win it actually at the beginning of the at the beginning of the playoffs, and it's lucky they should have lost in the second round. You know, I, we'd be having a very different conversation about the Bucks. Giannis looked a lot more exposed against a really good Brooklyn team and a good defensive. You know, if they were healthy, I think the conversation we'd be having right now is Giannis is still you know got a big hole in his game, and he's predictable. And because look, he was having trouble with Nick Griffin, but context doesn't matter right now. It broke their way, and here they are. Uh, and I think they tie it up. All right. Hey, look, I just, like I told you, Mega, I'm, I'm just ready for Wednesday to get here because uh, uh, like my sports calendar is very open right now, and I, the more basketball <laughs> I can see, is uh, uh, the better, especially you know as we get through these summer months and for the, uh, you know, the next sport I watch, football. Uh, but anyways, uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show. It was a lot of fun uh, sure. talking to you. With you. A lot of great, you know, insight and just, you know, analysis by you there breaking down this series. And it's a lot of fun talking about some kind of nerd about the, you know, the exes knows and what other people see and all that stuff. But uh, anyways, uh, I do, like I said, I do appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, if the listeners want to follow you online, uh, where can they find you on the work you're doing over at CBS Sports? Yeah, just CBSSports.com. Anything I write is, is up and, and Brad Bach and CBS on Twitter and, and all the normal places, and we're, we're out and about. We're covering it as best we can. All right, Brad, I do appreciate the time once again, and I hope we should do this again, uh, do this again sometime down the road. Anytime, man. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of The Dual Threat. Once again, thank you for checking out the show and making it a part of your day. Remember, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. Until next time, bye-bye.